And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Hello everyone, I'm Danny Kelly. I'm your host for The View From The Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur podcast. But I always say, we always try and make all killer and no filler. I'm joined in the podcast today by the Athletics' Charlie Eccleshare and uh, also James Moore as well. And we'll be discussing what I'm calling the worst ever international break for any Premier League team. We'll get to that shortly, as well as looking ahead to the game against Crystal Palace. But first of all, there's a vote in the Athletic right now um, where they're doing the best of the best of the best, and we're talking about who is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. And Charlie, you've been presenting. I'm delighted to say uh, the the case for Hugo Lloris. Yeah, this comes off the back of um, Pisa did a couple of weeks ago when he broke the Spurs' Premier League appearance record. So maybe I'm a bit have Larissa on my mind, but yeah, I, I did make the case for Hugo. I mean. Look, Alisson and Edison are world-class keepers, um, but Lloris is, you know, certainly for longevity. Um, you know, he's been at Spurs now nine years. There was a thing I put in that piece. He actually, looking at how many goals Spurs would have been expected to concede on the expected goals model, no keeper had a better, how do I put this, uh, no keeper kept out more uh, than would have been expected given the quality of shots they faced than Lloris last season. So he clearly remains an elite shot stopper. Um but yeah, you know, there are a few of these actually kind of making the case and I couldn't make the case for Spurs having the best defence or midfield in the league. But Because they're all in Croatia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got the best sort of bunch of players in Croatia, if that was a category. Um, but I have made the case of having the best attack, uh, given in Kane and Son. They've arguably got the two best attackers in the league, is that fair to say? Well, the figures, as I say, last year, their figures, and but particularly the figures for for Son, Kane and Bale, um, in terms of goals and assists, they absolutely obliterated mm. the record of the Liverpool front three from two years before that. Uh, and it's an astonishing season, really, if you think about it, which, of course, sets up its own problems. Uh, nobody from midfield ever scores any goals, mm. but uh, but that, but that's a separate issue. It's a good problem uh, to have. I mean, I have to say, uh, look, when he first came, let's, let's not beat about the bush here. People were very, very doubtful because he had these rushes of blood when he came roaring out of the area. Also, his uh, distribution was not and has remained up to the standard of some of the goalkeepers uh, we see now. But I think the fellow is, is a club legend. It's good that they brought in somebody from you know Galini to, to kind of push him a little bit. But I'm delighted he spurs his goalkeeper. And long may it rain, for as I say. Another, another couple of years would be great. I should say as well, in that piece, I mean, there's loads of uh, stuff, including from Brad Friedel, who obviously... It's interesting, James and I were talking about this kind of when I started doing that piece, because when Lloris came in, he came in as the France captain, big summer signing, but uh, AVB stuck with Brad Friedel for 
until really mid-November, it was the 5-2 against Arsenal that Lloris started. He'd had one start before, but he started that game, Lloris, and then kept his place going forward. But, you know, it was quite a strange situation when he came. And, and it was really interesting talking to Friedel because he was like, this. the guy's speed is just astonishing up close, how quick he is, both his reflexes, but also uh, kind of his speed on his feet. And at that time, he was seen, you know, in the years sort of around 2012, along with Manuel Neuer as being the kind of vanguard of a sweeper-keeper movement. Now we think of him as quite conservative. And, and we looked at this and, you know, the numbers show he does stay on his line uh, way, way more than, say, mm. Edison, Allison. And we did some quite um, sort of technical goalkeeping analysis. Or I didn't, but I did speaking to people who know yeah. about the sort of thing. And it was really interesting that one of his weaknesses is sort of on one-on-ones. He stays rooted to the line and that can sort of counting against him. I do think broadly him staying on his line has been something that's worked to his benefit because I think his biggest weakness as a goalkeeper like kind of three or four years ago was the number of times he was caught like rushing mm. up the pitch and getting nowhere near the ball. And there was one against Liverpool, I can't think it was home or away now, or Wembley maybe, I can't even, was it, was it Coutinho score at Wembley? No, that's for Barcelona when he charged Oh yeah, that's right, of course, yeah, scored, same, yeah. same thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he just got caught out so many times. And yeah, to, to, I, I, that was one of Mourinho's, uh, assuming it was Mourinho who actually made this change. That was one of his uh, one of his big results, one of his big wins. Yeah. Uh, getting Larissa down his line. I think that it, that saw quite a big improvement in his performance last season. It's it's, it's difficult for you because you're too, too young, but I will never be sh- shifted from the view that Pat Jennings was the greatest goalkeeper Spurs ever had. In fact, he's the greatest goalkeeper I've ever seen. And that's, that's including all the modern people. But... And I would say there have been Spurs goalkeepers who've had a year or a year or two where they've been as good as Lloris. Um, Paul Robinson was brilliant in goal for a while for Spurs, uh, particularly when he got in and around the England team. And um, Ray Clements was very good. I'm going to throw this out as well. Neil Sullivan had one season where he yes. was virtually unbeatable. Mm. And he then, won player of the season. And, and season. then he put on a couple like a of extra pounds season. and it just all seemed to fade away for Neil. But he was brilliant uh, for mm. that season. But but over a period of time, he's, he's the best goalkeeper of modern times um, for Spurs. And so hats off to Hugo Lloris and hopefully he can have another brilliant season. Not so brilliant, I think it's fair to say, has been the international break for Spurs. Not because people like Hoiberg haven't shown again what great players they are, but at the moment, I've just made a list here. Now, forgive me, I do not want to curse this or cause any problems. Spurs have got three players in quarantine <laughs> post the, the international break. La Celso, obviously R- Romero and Sanchez. They have got four players who have either withdrawn from squads or come off the field injured. Stephen Bergvine for Holland on Tuesday night. Oliver Skip, who looked pretty badly hurt. Actually, he limped off uh, after captaining in the 21s Son, who Min missed the second of uh, the third of, of the internationals South Korea played. And Ryan Sessegnon inevitably came back from the 21s injured. I say this, and it's no, let's not pretend um, that we don't, we're doing this uh, a few hours before the last tranche of internationals, during which time. Harry Kane will definitely play. Ben Davis will definitely play. Joe Rodon may play. Um, Sergio Reguillon may play, having been called up late to the Spanish squad. And even Tottenham's fifth or sixth choice centre-back, Maxim Paskotsky, will be playing for Estonia tonight. So let's let's say in, a, in, in the wrong world, let's say they all got hurt, that would leave <laughs> Spurs missing 12 players. Um, for, for the game against Crystal Palace. Have you got any news, chaps, about how these the actual four that were injured, Bergvine, Skip, uh, Son, and Sessignon, whether or not these are serious or, or not? 
it's all in the state of being assessed, I think is the kind of med- mm-hmm. football medical speak. So we don't yet know the extent of those injuries. I mean, obviously the hope is is that they're precautionary, but th- this does as well, what I was talking about yesterday, the fact that it's the early Saturday kickoff slightly compounds that as well. You know, even a, if it is just little niggles, having that extra day or, you know, even a couple of days if the game is on a Monday can make a big difference. But yeah, so it's, it's still at the state of being assessed, you know, and everyone's saying fingers crossed at this point. But yeah, it's a, as you say, it's a pretty disastrous international break for Tottenham. So it's quite hard to talk about the lineup against Crystal Palace then because, well, all we know for certain is that Celso, Romero and Sanchez will not be there. Let's let's just go through it then. What kind of team would you be putting out, James, um, allowing for the fact that these fellas may be okay uh, come... Uh, well, all right, let's let's say we we know the South Americans aren't going to play. Let's say Skip is out. Where do we go with then with the Spurs back four in midfield? I mean, we went through this earlier in the week a little bit, or certainly the defence, didn't we? It, so we assume Larice isn't going to be injured. Uh, are we assuming Pete players that are currently not injured as we record this are not going to get injured in the meantime? Yeah, otherwise Which, the exercise is going mean, to really infinite, is. isn't it? Ah, uh, but it does feel like we're putting the, we're putting the knockers on it a little bit, doesn't it? Or the mockers on it, knockers on it. Mock- Do you put mockers or knockers? Mockers, um, mockers, mockers, yeah, mockers. Knockers, not, knockers is something let's else. Let's ignore me. Yeah, that is a different that's thing. That's another that, podcast that Charlie that. does all together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so fine. So we'll say Larice. Uh, are we going to need Tanganga at centre half if we're worried about? No, no, we can go. Let, let, let's go. Let's go. Tanganga at right back. Dyer and Roden at centre back. You, can't, you can hardly say the words. I know it's fine. No I'm, I'm happy with happy this. with Dyer and Roden. Okay. I mean, we'll have to, well. I mean, I'm, it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Reggion at left back. Yes. Uh, are we factoring in Dombele's fitness into this? Well, Dombele is going to have to play midfield. Chuck him in. I don't really see this. Well, he's going to have to play. This may be one of those things that happen. One of those random things that happen in football that allows. Uh, a whole new. I mean, we talked about it. Uh, how often, for all the science and clipboards and computers and drones, how often teams just fall into a pattern that works? So you're picking in. Did happen with, with with Redknapp, didn't it? I think there was a bit with Harry Redknapp where who got injured was it Asu Okoto? No. Oh yeah, that's why Some, Bale was so, playing. Someone got back. injured and then Bale then got shifted up yeah, onto yeah. left wing and Modric yeah. got moved into centre midfield. It was a kind of a knock off, mm. a knock on thing. Yeah. Um, I think it was Tom Huddleston that got injured actually. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, and Dombele in midfield with, with Hoiberg. Uh, and Ali. Blimey, who else have we got? And yeah, Dali will have to play. Yeah. yeah. And then your front three, I guess, yeah, is the, the, the cl- cl- uh, Lucas, Kane and Hill. Well, that would be right. if, if we. If we if, I mean, that, if, that really does pick itself. Yes, if, if Son, if Son and Bergwijn are out, then it is Lucas Kane and Hill, which is not the worst thing in the world. It sounds pretty exciting to me. It would be exciting. I guess the problem would be that then wouldn't be a huge amount to bring on off the bench. I I do wonder. I mean, Ndombele, obviously, I would love to start. I wonder if in reality Nuno would go Harry Winks yeah, over him. Yeah, he will. Given that Winks has played a lot more this season, and he would probably view him as more of a like like for like replacement uh, if if Skip can't play. I've forgotten about Harry Winks. Uh, my, my guess is that's exactly what what he will do. Um, it'll be Winks uh, rather than Ndombele. But it will, I think, speed Ndombele onto the bench because literally, um, for reasons of madness, I am clearly never going to play football again. Um, I'm too old. My knees are knackered, and I'm frankly too luxuriously upholstered. Um, but I do, <laughs> but I do own a brand new pair of Puma Kings because I just love them so much. When they reissued them. Um, and I occasionally wear them to walk around the lawn in, my, in front of my house. Um, but I have got my boots. But I, I literally, I, anybody, I mean, 
both of you look re- relatively trim. You could, if you bring your boots to the stadium at the weekend at, at Sellers Park, I think you'll you'll be on the bench at the very least. I did used to find that funny when kids would wear like full kit and like AstroTurf boots as if they were hoping, you never know, if there are a few injuries, I might just get a cooler. Well, given the number of substitutes teams are these days not required to have, but allowed to have, um, I think we might see we might see a couple of teenagers on the bench for this game against Crystal Palace, but uh, and, and a promotion of Ndombele to a place where he's uh, from, from nowhere liable to come on at some stage during the game depending on how it's that going. would be amazing if it happens who, who else have we missed out are, are there like other senior players we've not picked because i feel there can't be many no there aren't um dave is assuming he's gonna get injured uh royale i guess if uh if he's a, oh incidentally this is one for uh, our, our resident linguist um um mr eccleshare uh, how are we pronouncing is it royal or royale royale I don't want to have. I don't want to replicate the conversation about chicken royale, you know, Tarantino style. But uh, exactly. it's royale, royale okay. with cheese. Yeah. Well, thank you very much because at least one person has been, frankly, nagging me about this on Twitter. He prefers to be known as Royale rather than Emerson because of this weird backstory about his father and jelly in Brazil. Is that not right? his father? <laughs> his auntie. Um, oh, his auntie. Good. That yeah. makes it all the all the difference then. Yeah. <laughs> why Said. are you Why are you laughing, James? Because I, I, uh, who needs context? No, but no, exactly because of his aunt and some jelly, he likes to be called Royale. <laughs> what would be a good result against Crystal Palace given the current state of injury and incarceration? <laughs> I still think they should be looking to win that game. I don't, but I don't think Palace have been particularly impressive in the first few games. It sounds like they were a bit better against West Ham. Against Chelsea, they were pretty terrible, and it didn't sound like they were much better against Brentford. So. I think they should still be looking to win. I mean, I know you're going to say you should always be trying to win football matches, which is a fair point. But, no, um, yeah, but you can't always... You can't always do it. No, you can't. I, I think they should be looking to win as well, obviously, even with these injuries. Um, not least because Crystal Palace, more than any other team, I think in this division, are settling in an entirely new team, aren't they? Mm. So now is the right time to play them. And the, the choice of right back is made more pressing by the, by the existence of Wilfred Zaha, isn't it? Because uh, without... True. Without saying stop Zaha, you stop Palace. That I don't, I don't know what the expected rightness of that statement is, but I think it's pretty high. Well, especially without Eze, who last yeah. season in this shame. equivalent fixture, yeah, real shame that he's he's out um, sort of medium to long term. But he in this fixture last season was so so good. He really made a difference. So they're even more dependent on Zaha. And with that, with Palace being that much weaker, you do think could be could be an opportunity for Spurs especially as you say against a team who are still settling under a new manager and with lots of you know lots of players haven't gone out is there any insane world in which Nuno being I think pragmatist is the word that you regularly use Charlie could could he play Tanganga at right back and Emerson Royale on the right wing say uh, if Sonny's out then play Lucas out on the left I don't think so you're basically doubling up on Zahar and really negating the risk of, of him doing anything and then just hoping you can nick the 1-0 as per. I think if you were to play them both, it would be in a 3-4-3 with Tanganga, like we talked about yesterday, on the right of the back three, and then Ryle's a right, right-sided um, wing-back. I, I don't think Ryle's ever really played um, as a winger. I mean, he, he, he likes to get forward, but he is also a pretty solid defender. He's not kind of as maybe buccaneering as, uh, as might be expected. But um, there, there is, that is, I, I mean, there is that way to get them both in the team. Well, and, and let me just throw in this just purely because it happens to be true. Um, in one way, this terrible international break for Spurs had one upside, and that is uh, Matt Doherty has got fit. 
And last night in the game in Dublin against um, Serbia, he was Ireland's man in the match and played really, really well. Yeah, play all three of them against Zaha. Get get those yeah, right the Gareth Southgate model. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Dyer's played right back for England briefly as well. Let's get them all over there. Yeah, that's and true. Let's dominate yeah. one side of the pitch at least. <laughs> now, listen, we're going from in, the, in one of those handbrake turns uh, for which this podcast has become rightfully internationally famous. We're going to go from what if Spurs had no players, um, the current situation, to what if all their players were fit, ready, and in good form. What is Spurs' best 11 as we head off into a new season and still in that situation? Um, all of the lads, including uh, Jack, who's not with us today, have picked their best starting 11. We'll do that next here on The View from the Lane. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Welcome back to The View from the Lane. I'm Danny Kelly. Alongside me today, I'd like to say still Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore from The Athletic. And The Athletic has been prodding some of its uh, most august writers to pick what they consider to be Tottenham Hotspur's best 11, if everybody is available, fit and in form. Um, we're gonna, we, I know that, Charlie, you've done yours. I know that Jack, who would normally be here with us or often here with us, has done his as well. Um, and then later on in a podcast exclusive, James, live on air without the aid of a safety net, is going to pick his um, best Spurs eleven. Stay tuned. Why don't I throw out Jack's first? Because he's not, frankly, because he's not here to defend defend himself, himself. so we can have a right laugh at it. Um, He's playing a four-three-three. Loris in goal, um, Chicken Royale at right back, Romero, Dyer, and Davis across the defence. Wow, Davis, Lacelso and Dombele holding the midfield. And Hill, Kane, and Son up front. One, two, three, four, five. Six. You missed out Hoiberg. He did have Hoiberg in there. Of course, Hoiberg's in the team. What do we make of that? No Reggion. What? Is, that's the most obvious um, thing there. I think. Should say as well that Jack does explain himself in the uh, the piece we've done, which you can read about. But yes, I mean Reggion being dropped, controversial. I think you know Jack Pitbrook slams Reggion. Yeah, he does. I mean, I think that was from from the conversation I had with Jack yesterday live from Warsaw, uh, that was with um, Reggion's kind of of end-of-season blunders last season in mind. But it does seem... He's a harsh, (laughs) harsh taskmaster. That is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Hill, as opposed to any of the sort of Bergvine-Moura gang, are we happy with that? No, we're not. (laughs) I mean, Jack is. Jack's gone rogue, but no, I don't think James James or I are happy with that. I mean, no, that is not the team I would pick. Okay, well, let's leave that there as um, a a proper pile of ridiculous nonsense and move on to people (laughs) who actually are here to defend themselves and therefore I can say know what they're talking about. Um, Charlie, because we're saving the podcast exclusive of James's team for a little longer, please bear with us and please try and contain your A world exclusive. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a universe exclusive. Unless, of course, um, some, some of those scientists are right and we're having this conversation in another universe somewhere else. Charlie, give us your team and... First of all, I will say you've gone three four three. Yeah, I've mm. um, 
gone a bit off piste. I mean, we talked about this yesterday and James was quite convincing, though it pains me to say it. Certainly in a defensive sense, it does seem to make quite a lot of sense because if you do if you do a back three, it means you've got Romero playing in the middle of the three, which is where he mainly played for Atalanta last season. Mm-hmm. Very, very good there. Tanganga thinks that his best position potentially is the right side of a defensive three, so you stick him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ben Davis in the team. I know Davis isn't everyone's cup of tea, but it means you have a left-sided, a left-footed centre back, which has been a big problem for Spurs ever since um, Vertonghen's decline and departure. Mm-hmm. So it feels like quite an elegant solution to a few issues there. Dyer and Sanchez, you lose, and although they've both been good this season, um, no, no loyalty. That's your problem. Yeah, well, exactly. That's um, you know why some of the players love me and some of them can't stand me. <laughs> Um, and, and a bit like a bit like Pep Guardiola here, you're ending up with a starting eleven that appears to have one centre back in it. Yeah, right. but that's that's always been my philosophy. <laughs> oh, I know he, he would have none. He did he did have two midfielders playing a centre back for one game last season. Um, they, they are in his mind they're obsolete. If you have enough possession, you don't need defenders. Exactly, and also ta- to be fair, Tanganga is a centre back as well. Really, we'll that's see. Well, that, coming that, through, yeah, yeah, well, sure. This is the test. But anyway, this so the test. yeah, it could be him, or it could be Sanchez, who I think might be better suited to that role rather than as a centre back, where he can get pulled out of position and exposed. But anyway, it also has the benefit. It means you have Regulon as a wing back. Yeah, I think that might suit him a bit better, and you sort of got Davis covering for him when he goes sort of flying forward. Uh, or just sort of <laughs> to the middle of the pitch hey, on well, one of those. Yeah. yeah, he just kind of, you know, goes where the ball is. Uh, Royale, I think, could do a good job there. You know, comfortable as a right wing back as well as a full back. It also means Sessignon and Doherty. You've got great reserves, both of whom are better as wing backs, I think, than full backs. Where you do lose out a bit with my team is you can only play two central midfielders. And given that you have, you know, the likes of Deli, Le Celso, and Dombele, uh, Skip's played very well. That's then quite a lot of competition um, to play alongside Hoybier. Because this is a kind of fantasy world where everyone's fit and available, I'm imagining that Ndombele is all of those things. He's doing 90 minutes every week. He only wants to play for Tottenham. He has no interest Crikey. in moving. So, you know, may as well take advantage of the terms of the question. So he's in there. What colour's the sky in this universe you're talking about? Whatever you want it to be. It's just fit and available. That's all we know. So, so we've got Hoybier and Ndombele, perfectly balanced midfield two, and you've got Ndombele moving the ball forward, and then a front three of Bergwijn, Kane and Son. Thank you very much indeed for that. Perhaps less radical, but no less interesting, is, as I say, a world exclusive now. Uh, James has knocked this together this morning. Using your skill and judgment, James, assuming everyone is fit and raring to go and not angling for a move back to Lyon, yeah, um, what's, yeah, exactly. what's your starting eleven? Well, I've I've tricked Charlie into changing to a three at the back, which I have then not adopted myself. Absolutely not. Of course not. It's absolutely a vintage manoeuvre by me. Mind games. Managerial mind games. Um, So, of course, I've got Lloris in goal. Uh, I'm working on the basis that Royale is now fit and available. Romero is out of prison. He's playing at the back with Sanchez, (laughs) who is also also back from Croatia. Um, There's been a prison breakout, hasn't there? Yeah, in the, exactly, in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Quite. I'm not. I'm not quite sure who's playing on the left and who's playing on the right. There, I'll, I'll have to assess that in training. Reggion at left back, Hoiberg, Skip, and Ndombele in the midfield three. Then Lucas Kane and Son up top. I'm kind of playing the Nuno-esque. Keep it tight centrally. Get the fullbacks that offer the width. Then hope that those three up front can get enough goals between them to. Uh, win some football matches. What do you make of that shower, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> I think my team would beat would beat James's team. But one thing that's interesting, we've all gone for different 
third man in that attack. I've gone Bergvine, Jack's gone Hill, uh, James has gone Lucas. I've gone for the one who'll actually score some goals. I've got for, gone for the one who was pivotal to uh, Tottenham going top of the table last season in that great run in November, December. Bergvine played every game. Really important to uh, to that attack. Just, the, just trying to remember if Lucas has contributed to any important moments in Tottenham's history, but I'm just no, oh, not any time struggling. Not I'm struggling. Time. Nah, not, or not, if not he's like been rewarded remember. for that by being dropped immediately afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I'm as fickle as Potch. I'll drop him as well. Don't worry. That's very interesting. Actually, you should mention that um, Lucas not being picked for the Champions League final um, because he ha- it's taken him two years to actually speak about it. I don't know if you saw those little bits and pieces yeah. he'd done uh, last week where he said that it actually confused the team because they one can never know. Um, whether these things have been mistranslated or whether he did the interview in English order. But the phrase he used was, nobody knew what was going on. We all would have picked... I can't imagine any of us would have had the, yeah. the, the strength yeah, to, the not, thing. I mean, to, to, to not to pick Kane. I would have picked him too. It's a weird... I mean, who do you drop for that final if you're going to play Lucas? Yeah, it's nonsense. I, I can't believe some people still think that. And, I, and I'm, you know, it is, it is insanity to suggest that. I think you, my own thing is you try and get the best 11 players into the team. If everybody's absolutely fit and ready to go, I find a place for Ndombele. Um, I, think, I think I may end up playing three at the back because in my mind, maybe not, I don't know. I, Deli Ali, I think, can be uh, the player he was. But the further forward he plays, and this is contrary to what he's currently doing, it seems to me the better off he is. I wonder if there's a way you could play Son and Kane up front with Ali behind them. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, back out of the midfield. But then that, of course, would mean I wouldn't get one of the best players if everyone had their own because then Dombele wouldn't be able to play, I don't think, in that system. Yeah, I think Delian and Dombele, it's hard to get them both in, isn't it? It, it, it is. And, and, and of course, the argument may be that uh, I've just got to bite the bullet on Delhi and say, if you're going to go that route, if you're going to play two up front, because um, the game is sick to go on. I imagine that will happen again soon. Maybe in Dombley, get him out of all, all the sort of running uh, stuff and play him as an old-fashioned 10, although that, of course, would cause Graham Souness's head to fall off in the Sky <laughs> Studios, the idea that somebody wouldn't have defensive responsibilities. Very fascinating. That was absolutely amazing. And, of course, that's the point of a 25-people squad these days. Nobody knows you know, exactly what the best starting 11 is, and uh, we shall see. Nuno is not given to changes, but the, the problems we outlined at the start of this podcast means that we're going to see for the first time, I guess, at least one or two positions, what his backup thinking is. That is usually brought about for managers by a defeat following a decent run. In this case, it's been the circumstance of the international break. Maybe we may see it rather sooner than perhaps we expected or hoped. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Harry Kane. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, listen, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday afternoon before the England game against Poland. But meanwhile, our colleague Jack Pitbrook is away covering the game for The Athletic. And because this podcast isn't being released until Thursday, we can hear now from Jack discussing Kane's performances for England throughout the international break. Hi, I'm in Warsaw, where I went to the Poland 1-England 1 game last night. From a Tottenham perspective, obviously the most interesting thing was the performance of Harry Kane. I don't think he's really looked himself over this international break. Clearly he is still feeling his way into the season. But he scored the most remarkable goal, beating Spurs fans' favourite Wojciech Krzyzewski from more than 30 yards. It was the kind of goal that Kane scores sometimes for Spurs, but not that often recently for England, showing off that amazing capacity that he has to find the bottom corner of the net from distance. The fact that he can just do this out of nowhere when he's not playing well in a in a difficult game, which England was struggling to create chances in, is just another reminder of his amazing talents, which we know that we will now see at Tottenham for at least one more season. And of course, as it was his 41st England goal. He is now fourth on the all-time England goal scorers list, just 12 behind Wayne Rooney. England, I think, have got 12, maybe 14 games before the next World Cup. And my prediction is that Kane will break Wayne Rooney's record to become England's all-time leading goal scorer in the World Cup final in Qatar on the 18th of December 2022, and that he will still be a Tottenham player at that point. You heard it here first. Yeah, Jack Pitbrook there talking about Harry Kane and how he's got on with England over the past uh, 10 days of the international break. And Charlie, I think for Spurs fans listening to this podcast, the bigger issue is not how he's playing for England, but how his rehabilitation, his redemption, if you like, following that terribly difficult uh, summer for, frankly, me. I understand that you have been rooting around um, in the rubble of that that whole affair during the summer, um, what what are you finding out? What's the what's the situation with Harry now? How has he been rewound back into the squad? And are we going to go through this all again in January? Um, I don't think in January. 
there'll be too much. I mean, unless you know, there's fairly extraordinary events between now and then. You know, it's, it's very rare for a big transfer like that to happen um, in January. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think like for most of the players, we liked from the outside to imagine you know, that they were all furious with Kane and, you know, they couldn't believe his disloyalty. I don't think it really works like that from, from what I've been told anyway. You know, I think these players, they're very professional. They understand that everyone goes through periods where they might want to leave. You know, the feeling at the time when it came out that Harry was in for a move, there was generally acceptance in the squad that that was fair enough. You know, I think they understand how good he is, that he wants to maximize his potential you know he's always been a maximizer um so i don't think there's there's there are going to be huge issues there and, and and we know kane i mean he's so focused and professional as has been well documented there's the premier league goal scoring records go after there's how good england are and you know leading them out at the, at the next world cup so jimmy Greaves on the distant horizon yeah, as well yeah. For him. yeah exactly i mean he's always going to have those targets i don't think it's going to be a big issue really you know i think he'll come back and score goals and things will be forgotten quite quickly. Will they try and bring him into this by offering him a, a load more money and inserting a ridiculous release clause into his contract? Well, that has been something we reported towards the end of the window that Spurs had offered him a new contract. And I think that was, you know, largely them thinking, what can we do to try and make Kane happy? Because they're, they're aware, you know, they've got a player there who who wanted and wants to leave. So... You know, that was something on the table, wasn't signed. I I think the bigger worry, and this is something I talked about during the window and why in my mind there was an argument to sell him, was that this will linger on. I mean, unless Spurs have an amazing season this season and, you know, win a trophy or two and genuinely look like being a team that can challenge for the title, it's hard to imagine that by next summer we're not going to have similar speculation and that Kane won't want similar things. So, yeah, I, I think in the short term, certainly between now and January and probably for the, the period until rumours about the summer start, which can be, what, any time from February, March onwards, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. It's just then there are going, there's going to be speculation. Does that bother Kane? Probably not. You know, it didn't last season. He, he, he'll always score goals. So it just depends, you know, how much that bothers people who support the club, I guess. James, what would you do in, if, if you were the club, um, you know, because... I guess you and I are in a position where we would just want to keep him till he's 34 years of age and has scored 700 goals for Spurs. Um, yeah, sounds good. What would you do? Would you be offering this contract or is it inevitable we're going to go through all this again in a year's time? I, to be honest, I'd kind of make him I'd kind of make him wait on that contract. I know, I know they've offered him one over the summer. Sure. I mean, so, you know, in terms of going back in again, I mean, like, um, you know, he's got three years on his contract. As Charlie says, I don't see him as a kind of bloke who... Uh, despite some of the stuff that's been written this summer, is, is going to kick up too much of a stink in the background. I, I think they should just sit it out, personally. I, do, I don't really see as much to be gained by for selling him for 100, £110 million. Pounds. I just think they're going to be better for him in a team for the next three years. No, absolutely, absolutely. The, the only thing I would say is that uh, the, does, the escape hatch for him um, is perhaps not in England, isn't it? If Mbappe goes to Real Madrid and if... Pochettino survives at PSG, then there's a possibility. And of course, they are the one club in Europe who would offer Daniel Levy whatever he needed for him. Yeah, exactly. And who knows, with Cristiano Ronaldo gone to Manchester United, who knows where Erling Haaland, another hat-trick for him last night, of course, at international level, um, will end up. So the 
the kaleidoscope of these top strikers is changing all the time and it will see what happens. I mean, I always keep saying this on the podcast. That's why it's so delightful football, isn't it? You can analyze it until you're literally blue in the face, but then something else happens a little bit further down the line. Listen, thank you. Uh, for all of that, both of you. And remember, you listening to us here, if you're not already a subscriber, you can read Charlie's article on Spurs' best 11 by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can sign up with a 33% discount on a full subscription. You'll also be able to read the vote so that Hugo Loris will be named the Premier League's top keeper. Let me repeat that. You can go and vote on The Athletic um, to make sure that Hugo gets the recognition he so richly deserves and was so cruelly denied him on the podcast when he made his 300th appearance. Um, We'll be back on Monday to look back at that game against Crystal Palace. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.